And welcome back to Fully Equip. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com, joined as always by Andrew Tursky from Golf.com and Chris McCormick from TrueSpec. Guys, we have a winner at the U.S. Open. It's definitely not the guy that any of us picked. Not, what, not what, even what do we close. think? Let's not even close. Exactly. Not we'll even we'll get close. into that. We'll we'll eat a little bit of crow, but let's talk about John Rom here briefly at the top. I mean, an unbelievable finish. I love the fact that they kept the par five at Torrey very playable during the week because it it usually adds to, as we've seen over the years, they're not just with Tigers win at the U.S. Open, but just at the Farmers. It kind of adds to the drama going down the stretch. What what did you think of the way that Ron performed there on the back nine? It was clutch. I mean, there's there's nothing else to say about it. It was fun to watch. It was exciting golf. And, I mean, that 17-18 finish, come on. Those putts that he made coming down the stretch, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was just stars aligned, as he put it, karma. It was uh, It was fantastic golf to watch, in my opinion. And I have to say... Sunday, U.S. Open, the first full round of golf I've actually committed to taking there time and sitting down and watching. Live Let's golf go. for Chris McCormick. There we go. I love it. I love it. Tursky? I mean, was it not one of the most heartwarming wins of all time? Absolutely. Not even just U.S. Open, just in general ever. New father coming off the, <clears throat> the COVID hiccup at the memorial just the ultimate redemption story for rom this week played his butt off um in those last man standing type of events where everyone's just falling down the leaderboard you almost expect someone in like the groups ahead to get it done kind of post that number early and everyone just tumbles and that's exactly what happened yeah nobody posted uh, louie it was kind of it was kind of sad for louie man on 17T, you just can't aim left there. Like, you have to blow it way right. And the tournament's pretty the right. much over yeah. when that when that ball tumbles into the into the hazard. It was pretty much over. He hit a couple nice shots, too, on 17 and 18 coming down the stretch. But yeah. It was over. That was a million-dollar drive. Yeah. I had Legitimately. A million-dollar drive. I He hit like, that shot left, and it was like just – and I feel like he striped it too. Like he was hitting it right where he aimed it. Yeah, it just it just never turned yeah. over for him. Just kind of kind of move off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Course management. He's such a, he's such a good driver of the golf ball. You just you just kind of expect him that he's going to put it in play, especially on those last on those last two holes. Uh, you it know, has I think to be for like me, an out of body experience. Like once that once that ball tumbles in and he has to now walk up the fairway, it's just like yeah. pins and needles going through your skin. You know, we've all had that feeling where it's like, I am such an idiot. What did I just do? Yeah. I get that your feeling heart, a lot. Your heart just like, <laughs> like fully, your heart's fully in your throat at that point, you know, yep. as, you, as you're wondering what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, you, the one thing that really sticks out to me from this is actually, it had nothing to do with Rom's putts. It had to do with what Rom said after the win, when he mentioned that he knew how the putt was going to break based off of watching Lee Westwood's putt in 2008. He said he knew that it was going to snap hard. And so kind of watching. But what for me, what I think is really cool is I don't really know how many of the young guys are kind of historians of the game, how much of them know the history of golf. I mean, they love golf. They probably all, you know, in this generation, they probably all grew up 
you know, to some extent seeing Tiger, idolizing Tiger. Um, but I always wonder how many of them like know the history, know that, know the wins, know, you know, how they, how they won. And for Rom to like pull that out and just say like, yeah, I, I kind of had an idea of how the putt was going to break just from watching Lee's in 2008. And it's like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it just goes to show you that there are some of those guys out there that that definitely know how the tournament swung and and not just the winners, but also the guys that lost and maybe being able to learn from those defeats. Uh, I thought was a pretty cool moment just listening to Rom kind of recount that moment. I think it is kind of cool, but there's no way he's drawing back on a memory from 2008. Like, you know how many times we've all seen that putt over and over again? How many times we've seen the highlights? Like, I saw it six times last week. He's probably just in his hotel room watching highlights like everyone else. And Come on, man! You know, I, you know, you know what I mean. He was like, I just what, want, I want a young old? Rom. I want a young Rom, like sitting there right. on his couch back in Spain. I'll, I'll just let like, you have that one. Watching, I'll it, let you have that and like one. it's being seared in his brain. Watching Westwood <laughs> miss that putt and be like, oh man, yeah, I remember when Westwood missed it. I mean, you're probably right. They replayed 2008. It's it's probably one of the most memorable. I hate using the word iconic, but it is one of the most iconic finishes in major championship history but yeah yeah it it this this one had it all on the back nine the lead exchanged hands a million times i thought bryson had it and then he just completely ejects on the back nine that 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 to me was was maybe the most shocking turn of events that i've seen in a while in a major just a guy who seemed to really have it on cruise control i mean how many holes did he go without making a bogey and you just you see him and you're like this this guy's got it he's he he's already won a US Open he knows how to win it he's going to just cruise and then he just hits kept hitting in the rough and just hacking it around it just <laughs> it was it really it it blew me away he just like kept trying to go for the green out of that out of that kakuya and you just cannot do that even if you're one of the biggest bombers in golf and then I'm, he shanks that chip too. I was, I'm going to take <laughs> I was just gassed. sole responsibility for this. Uh, I am historically the worst sports better ever. And we had oh, a, a friendly group man. wager here and back nine wager. And I'm going, oh man, Bryson's on cruise control. Like, it's a can't lose bet. I pick Bryson, very next hole. <laughs> tanks so it <laughs> literally immediately like right after you sent the text right yes. after yeah and so if if bryson ever hears yeah. this recording i'm sorry that one's on me it's my bad i take responsibility he definitely will <laughs> i thought i had it easy i was like no one's gonna take rory he's obviously gonna win this not even close i i had no i had no Man. faith in rory with with the way that he was putting he couldn't make anything and yeah. I'm like, if, if you if you can't if you can't make some of those those makeable birdie putts that he had, they were just skirting the edge. I'm like, this is not going to be his day. Um, are we? We're we're talking here though about the back nine picks. We're not even going to mention how terribly horribly. I mean, it was it was a dumpster fire for us <laughs> with our with our regular picks. I mean, I thought we weren't so going to bring bad. it up. I thought I thought I mean, we agreed I'll, not to. I'll bring, bring it up. up. I'm a, I'm a ma- I'm a masochist at heart. You know, I picked <laughs> Webb Simpson. And I scrolled down the leaderboard on Thursday thinking Webb's in the hunt. And I told this guys, I told both these guys this off air, but I thought, you know, I must have missed Webb's name somewhere in the middle of the leaderboard. He's probably, you know, even one under, maybe one over. And I scroll all the way down to the bottom, and there he is, close to DFL, 
after day one. That was uh, pretty much summed up my week for uh, U.S. Open picks. It was it was terrible. I I also have to put my hand up as one of the worst betters of all time. First of all, my picks this year in general have not been going well. And then I take Willie Z, friend of the show, last week. He didn't do too much better than Webb. I think they were sitting right next to each other on the leaderboard. Just neither of the boys showed up. Really hurt. Never pays never pays the fanboy and, and, no. and pick your idol. No. Learned a big lesson there. Yeah. I, I, I think had Chris Tommy actually Fleetwood. won it. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had yeah. Tommy Fleetwood. He, he played the weekend. I think he finished. I think he was plus eight or plus nine on the event, but at least say, he played yeah. the weekend. I had that going for me. And I picked so you, Louie. You're, you're the winner by default. I had picked Louie for the Masters, and then I'm kicking myself. Like, man, Louie's usually like my dark horse out there, and yeah. he's in contention for the Open, and I'm going, I was one major off. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, – bottom line, it was an incredible finish at a U.S. Open, uh, a tournament that, that always seems to produce some some pretty incredible finishes. And I, I think this is the perfect segue into something that I wanted to discuss, that, again, something happened post-win for Rom. You know, he's sitting there greenside with the, with the U.S. Open trophy, and, you know – it's it's easy in the moment for for tour pros to thank the people that you always hear about their family, their wife. Uh, you know, in Rom's case, he's 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 got a, a you know young kiddo at home now. It, it's it's easy to like pick out those names quickly. But one of the things that really stuck out to me was a name that he brought up that you almost never hear about. Rom Rom gave a shout out to to Joe Toulon who is Odyssey's tour rep. And I say this never happens because um, I tried to make the analogy of, of you know, motorsports and golfers. You know, they, they are, um, you know, they're individual sports. You've got one driver in a car. You've got the golfer on the golf course. But they both have teams behind the scenes that are kind of prepping them and getting them ready. Um, the tour reps, unlike in motorsports, where if, they, if the driver wins, he's given a shout-out to his entire crew – you never hear about the reps when a guy wins, which I, I kind of categorize them as the unsung, unsung heroes. You know, they go to every single event. They're on the putting green or on the range working with these guys, making sure their their gear is dialed. And Rom gives that shout out to Joe Toulon. And I think it was perfect because, you know, I, I thought that Rom was very close when even at Memorial, he had a six shot lead, you know, then he gets the positive COVID test and he doesn't win. But I think we all agreed he was very close with the putter. He had recently worked with Joe on a new Odyssey white hot OG Rossi S, which is the S is for the slant neck. Um, it He was burying putts left and right at Memorial. And then it just kind of seemed to carry over to Tory. But I love that he said, um, you know, this was Rom's quote. He said, um, I'm, I've given them a headache. I don't know how many putters they've built for me to find one I needed. And I'm pretty sure I found one I need. It's working well. So Joe, thank you for all the hard work. And I think that was cool that Joe got a shout out. Callaway got a shout out. Rom dunked on all the guys that were kind of the detractors who questioned his equipment move from TaylorMade to Callaway. Um, you know, he said that he believed that that the ball and the irons gave him gave him an advantage moving to Callaway. And, you know, the proof is in the results. He he should have won at Memorial. He wins 
at Tory, but I did. I thought that was really cool, just him kind of giving credit where credit is due to the guys who help him dial in his gear week in and week out. Joe Toulon, I mean, you know how many putters he tried to get in Rom's hands, how much money they spent on prototypes so over there? Much. <laughs> I can So that's a well deserved shout out if I've ever heard one. I I can kind of speak yeah. to the the gear side of it being the the gear guy behind the scenes. It's it's usually a thankless job, especially at that level, is when there is a player that has success, you get no credit because it's the player and the coach. And then when something is going the other direction, it's immediately the equipment and I got to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's clubs don't work. Yeah. It's my fault. All flack, no credit. <clears throat> it, That's it, it. Always, That's it always right. happens that way. And it's unfortunate. Um, I know even just from talking to some reps this year out on tour, you know, there were some reps that were under some serious pressure just because their their guys weren't performing. And it has nothing to do with, with what they're doing. They're they're merely trying to help the player, you know, rectify a problem with, with their equipment, get them in a different driver, try and figure out, you know, issues with spin, dispersion, whatever. Um, they can only do so much. They, they're not hitting the golf shots. But again, you're, you're exactly right. They do, they do take uh, the brunt of the blame when things aren't going well. And when things are going well, they, they are rarely, if ever, kind of given the credit that they're due. So, yeah, it was great to see Rom do that. Um, I know, again, that he wanted to do that simply because it's like, hey, all those guys out there that were doubting the move, you know, here you go. But also the fact that he gave Joe the shout-out, I thought that was great. Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's shift gears from the U.S. Open to the biggest topic going on this week at Travelers. We got new irons. And uh, judging from the comments on Instagram, we're at fully equipped golf on Instagram and Twitter. We're at fully underscore equipped. Everybody, I would say a large majority love the new Titleist T100 irons. What, what do you guys think? It's so rare for first iron shots when photos go up on Instagram for like 90 to 100% of the people be like, these look clean. These look good. You know, usually like the initial photos, some people are going to rip on and be like, oh, why did they change that? I wish they did this. But everyone thinks they're looking pretty clean. And I would say that they are. They are looking pretty good. I haven't seen them in person yet, so all I'm seeing is the photos that we got. Shout out Luke, by the way, on our on our photos. Those are uh, some LKD. nice in-hands. Yeah, I gave, I gave him a little bit of a... Of some, I gave him a little bit of help. I sent him some example photos and told him, "This is what I LKD. This is what I want." And he, smart, he came smart. through. He came through in the clutch for us. Chris, what did you, what did you think? What was your uh, what was your initial reaction to seeing the irons? No initial reaction. I I think they look great. I mean, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to doing some testing with them, and just Titleist as a whole. That brand, the last couple of generations of products that they've had come out. I mean, really turned the corner. The TS woods were great, and then they improved on those even more with TSI and the T-Series irons coming out of the, the AP line that was kind of a staple for them for years and years and years. Good transition. And now the uh, the second gen of the T-Series is, is looking really, really solid. As someone who works a lot with those irons, I mean, I'm sure you fit in a million people into those irons and have seen people test. What were some of the things you're kind of hoping that they change or improve uh, for this year 
I mean, the the T100 is that AP2 platform that's been a staple for years and years and years, like we were kind of talking about. The uh, the biggest complaint that I had from most of the players, especially in an indoor environment with acoustics, I mean, the, the T200, the T300 acoustics were the biggest complaint. And then on T200, just with the geometry of how that head was made and the technology that they put in there, uh, depending upon where you hit it on the face, we would see some erratic spin numbers every once in a while and almost get like a flyer result. So my hope is that they, they took some of the feedback that, that we gave them and, and also hopefully some of the feedback they were getting from some of their other avenues and, uh, and changed the acoustics a little bit and then potentially dialed down that, that flyer result on the, uh, on the 200 series. <laughs> What's the split between T100 and T100S players? Like how many people actually end up getting fit in those between t100 and t100s yeah i mean really just kind of comes down to uh i mean obviously same same skill level but the angles that they create as they come through impact if you know you need somebody that or i'm sorry you need a product that gives them a little higher launch higher spin t100 home run and if you have somebody that adds a little bit of loft or is looking for some more distance but still falls into that category spins fine we'll say the uh, the T100s is a is a no brainer. Gives a little get a little more ball speed, cut a little bit of spin. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to check these out in person. Some of the some of the things that I noticed, um, we posted some photos. I went I went back and took a look at the T100, the previous version, and kind of did some side by sides, just to try and see what what I could pick up on that was different. Some of the things that I noticed right off the bat, it looks like the finish, the iron finish is different. So if you will recall with the 2019 version, um, it was more of a, of a high, it was a high kind of a glossy chrome. Um, you know, some, some golfers love that. It's pretty traditional. Um, others, especially if you're playing on sunny days, do not. It looks, again, and we haven't, we haven't gotten the irons in hand. We're, we're just going off the photos that, um, that Luke snapped at travelers this week but it looks like it's a satin finish kind of a brush satin and and that to me would would say that they have maybe gotten some feedback on on kind of glare and they're now trying to find something that's a bit more glare resistant um the look overall is so much cleaner than the previous version um the the previous t100 still looked a little bit badging wise like like an ap2 which is what it replaced but this one is just night and day. It, you know, it's got the single title of stamp in, in a smaller cavity, and then it kind of steps up, and it's got a little bit of extra material there. Um, my, you know, if I was kind of like, if I was a betting man on this, I think that kind of extra material on the backside and like that almost like a semi-muscle pad is is probably, you know, they use that dual density tungsten. They use a lot of it, like an average of 65, 66 grams per head. That dual density tungsten is gonna, gonna really up the forgiveness in that iron. And, and I don't think anybody was using tungsten like Titles was, at least in, at least in that, that big of a number on average. So I think that's probably what it means is they're, they're still trying to find a way to show the tech in the iron, but also do it maybe in, in a more like clean minimalist way. Um, notice it looked like a little bit of a difference in the hosel transition at a dress. Yep. Uh, I noticed that top, 
Yeah, thinner top line for sure, which is what a lot of people notice. And maybe a slight reduction in offset. It, it probably is, is, if anything, it's it's very slight. And uh, again, I, I would need to do like side-by-side side in hand. It's I was just doing based on photos that I had. So um, yeah, it, it looks really good. The T100S, which is also what released out at Travelers. Again, same head, just the stronger lofts. Um, that's what you're going to notice the most with that S version. Um, they also had another iron that uh, that came out, a utility iron. And I think this is the one that was like, there was a lot of chatter about this, this U505. I see Tursky over here smiling, maybe even laughing. Like, what, what was your reaction when you saw it? I mean, that thing's looking thick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at, least the fo- at least the photos that we saw. It's always hard to tell on the angle, but <laughs> it's it's, it's all about the it's all about angles with width and angles, man. Um, That's yeah, two it, C's it, on the thick, by the way. <laughs> two C's on the thick. Uh, it looks yeah, like it, it launches high. Let's yeah. just say that it definitely does. It 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 has it has a a very pronounced sole. Um, it's the, now here's what I wonder, and I wonder if you guys are were thinking the same thing. So this is the U505. Tylos already has a U500, which is kind of more of their better player, I would say, better player um, utility iron, a little bit more compact. Um, it would probably fit pretty well with like a set of you know T100s, like just from a profile standpoint, it kind of blends in. And they had the U510, which was the longer blade length. Um, but they kind of had similar looks. This one is, is, does not look like either one of these. They, they really changed up the badging. This one to me kind of had more of a futuristic look like the badging on the back doesn't look as minimalist as the T100. Um, but that 505 sits smack dab in between the 500 and the 510. So it makes me wonder, is it going to replace one? Does this replace the 510? Are they going to keep the 500? Is the 505 supposed to mean that it's kind of a, the best of the both both worlds between the 500 and the 510? I, you know, again, I'm just totally guessing on this. Uh, but you're right the the sole width on on the 505 utility was was, I mean, totally different. Night again, night and day from what we saw with with the previous utility. I'm a big uh, driving iron guy, so I'm very much I, looking I forward to, to figuring out what's going on here. Something interesting that Titleist brought up um, when they when they kind of did the the you know teaser intro on this. Did you know that Titleist has been the most played iron on tour for the last seven years and sixteen of the last seventeen? It's a it's a it's a fun little fact. I yeah I I didn't I you know I know Titleist has a big presence in irons, but I guess I didn't realize that. They had kind of had a, a, you know, kind of cornered the market in irons. I mean, 16 of the last 17 years, most played iron on tour. That's, it's pretty impressive. So um, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of, you'll be seeing a lot of T100s. We talked to, to Trilly Z, Will Zalatoris on the pod. He got an early look at the T100 along with Jordan Spieth. I saw a teaser video with Webb Simpson and a bunch of other title of staffers who were also getting a look. I saw Adam Scott in there. Um, so Cam T-100. Smith has a black version. Ooh, that's right. Thank you for yeah. bringing that up. Cam Smith yep. does have a black version, and now everybody's going to want fire. it. 
Yeah, I know. Ah, uh, uh, to be a tour pro and to get everything that you really want first before anybody else. And I'm sure the black version isn't going to come out for a while. But again, Cam Smith, he's a tour winner. He gets what he wants, and uh, and he has exactly what we all want. We all want the we all want the black version. Although I I like the, I like that satin. I like I think that finish is going to look really good in in bags. Um, yeah. So T100 T100s. U505, those are the irons that were released at Travelers. There is also going to be a T200. Now, the T200 doesn't even have a cavity back. This, this is an interesting one, and it won't, it, it's coming to tour, but Title has said it's going to be a couple weeks before it gets out there. But this one kind of has a flat back to it. Um, it's, it's an interesting, it's a, this one feels a little more futuristic to me, but you know, I felt like with the beyond the T100 with the previous T series, they kind of got a little more techy with the designs in the cavities. Uh, this one just kind of with that smooth back to it in the T200, it, it, I don't know, it does kind of have a minimalist look, but then it also kind of feels like there's gotta be a lot going on and there are a lot of tech underneath the hood. I would assume that they are probably taking a uh, a chapter out of the hollow cavity iron, and they they did a lot with their their concept irons. So you're probably seeing kind of a trickle down effect into some different categories using some of that similar technology from concept with the amount of tungsten that they're putting in there and that hollow cavity design. I know we talk a lot about like tour clubs and what's in the bag on this show. Um, so naturally, we talk about the T100 a lot. But should most golfers, like in the world in general, be focusing more on the T200 rather than the T100? Like, what do you think, Chris? It. I always default to get fit. I mean, you you never know what you're actually going to hit well until you get into a fitting environment with a fitter that is testing a variety of different heads and shaft combinations with you. I mean, when it comes to a pure playability standpoint, I would say. T300, T200 over the T100 for the majority of players all day. Uh, T200, T300 are going to be much more user-friendly top to bottom through the set. And especially when you get into anything above that mid-iron transition, when you go from that 7 to 6 or that 6 to 5, getting into that T200, T300, much more user-friendly. Yeah, And they combo really well together too. Uh, thank you. That's combo as well. Don't say. forget about the Combos. combo. Yeah. Yep. I was just Great about to say, point. you could even go like T2, T3. Um, does make me wonder if there's going to be a T300. I mean, Titleist really expanded that T-Series line. You know, again, this is a tour launch right now. So I think I think there's there's got to be kind of a, you know, higher game improvement, higher handicap version somewhere along the line. And that that certainly doesn't fit in on tour. So you would, you would expect it's coming. They're just kind of slowly bringing them out, teasing, teasing these irons, but yeah, they look great. They're coming to retail. People have been asking me when, when can I get my hands on these? And I think, you know, titles is, is pretty predictable in, in the way that they release pretty similar cadences. I went back and looked T series. The, the previous release was in August. You know, you could, you could demo them early August and, you know, purchase late August. So I would think probably something pretty similar here and here in a couple of months, you should be able to, to get your hands on them. But yeah, they do look great. And, uh, and if, if the feedback, especially from, you know, regular golfers on social media is anything 
like what they're probably getting out on tour. I think these are going to be a home run. So um, it's got the yeah, people hyped. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll have some more. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see how many guys actually put them in play this week. You know, titles typically has guys that just throw them straight in the bag right after uh, right after testing them. So we'll see how many end up doing that. We'll update you on next week's pod. A um, couple of other things that I just wanted to bring up again. These really don't need a whole lot of discussion, but but other you know gear notes from Tory that were somewhat interesting. High lofted fairway woods. <laughs> We've talked about him ad nauseum on this podcast. Weekly segment. Yeah, they, they, yeah, <laughs> they were they were very popular at at Tory. You know, so many guys carrying seven woods. I talked to a bunch of reps, and even on Monday, they just said that the run on on high lofted fairways was just crazy. Um, everybody, you know, everybody was testing them. A majority actually put them in play. Bubba Watson um, actually had a nine wood. We've seen him use that one before, but he had that ping G four ten nine wood in the bag. Uh, plenty of guys had seven woods. Sergio Garcia went back to the spider head. The spider was the the putter that he used to win the 27 mass, 2017 Masters. It's a Spider X chalk, which is a you know updated version of the spider. With you know again, this is another uh, product we keep talking about on the podcast a lot. That LAGP putter shaft. Um, yeah, it's 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 super popular. I think they have they've had like seven major winners that have used this putter shaft in competition at, at, you know, one point or another. So, uh, that new putter, new shaft for Sergio, Adam Scott had four medals in the bag. You know, you typically don't see a lot of pros going with, with four medals. Um, Dustin Johnson, we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, he signed a shaft deal or I guess a partnership with LA golf and, you know, Lots of wedges last week. It, you know, it, it wasn't really a busy week. I, I would, I would, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought because of the the setup that we might see more changes, but it just seemed to be the ones that we we all expected. Fresh wedges for the greens. Um, actually, a lot of guys went to low bounce just to find, and that's usually not what you see a lot of guys do. But the lower bounce, they felt like it kind of cut through that grass a little bit easier, and then the high loft of fairways. So not a lot going on. Those are kind of the uh, the ones that I did want to bring up. And uh, before we get into to Gear Spotlight, Tursky wrote a story. There's also a video that you definitely have to go check out on golf.com. When we went to Cobra to, to do this video series on, on Bryson's gear, you know, we sat down with Ben Showman, Cobra's, you know, head of tour. We, sh- we sat down with Tom Olsofsky, who is the VP of R&D for Cobra. And after we kind of saw these wild outside the box creations, Tursky got to hit them. It, it, I, th- I think that was probably the most enjoyable part for me is I got to watch Tursky hit them and I just got to sit there and, and laugh because some of them were so wild. I'm like, I don't think I could even get a club head on this. Tursky, what was that experience like hitting some of those wild Bryson creations? Well, first of all, it was just such a cool opportunity. Like a lot of these were game used, like game used Bryson clubs. And everyone talks about his clubs being the most unique ever, and they were. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. These clubs have been in my head ever since. Because as, <laughs> as, as we know, though, I'm, I'm not even kidding, though. I'm being dead serious here. My miss is Seven a nightmares. My miss is a hook. And every single one of the shots I hit with his clubs went, like, straight right. It makes me think I should, like, 
adopt my set more in that direction. I don't know if it was the grips or the super, super stiff shafts, but I couldn't turn these things over at all. Like, I never would have missed a shot left with them. You were there, Jay Wall. Yeah. You saw what happened. They were just I, I coming was... out of a window like 10 degrees right of my target and not yeah. moving an inch. So it I makes me think maybe I should adjust my grip size. I would say it's a combo of like both. That. What, Chris? What would you? What, what's? What do you think is more impactful to to produce a shot shape like that? Uh, like the larger grip that that oversized jumbo max, or the like super stiff, LAGP shafts. I mean, it's like you said. It's probably a combination of the two. I mean, the stiffness in the shaft is going to play a part in how much droop and deflection and release of the head that you get, and then also that that jumbo max that he plays is going to influence how you release your hands coming through impact. I mean, it was probably such a foreign feel. You, you lost that connection of how you release your hands normally as you come through impact with, uh, with something that was just totally foreign. Completely lost it. And the club heads themselves are so cool. They got, you know, welds all over the face, tungsten everywhere. But like, I couldn't really feel the difference between that and a normal club head because I'm holding this grip that's so foreign and the shaft is so stiff. It's like, you know, there were there were a couple heads that I hit. You know, there's a shark bite taken out of the the heel of one of the wedges. It's got that's the wildest know, an one. inch an inch worth of onset. I'm looking down at this thing like there's no way I'm hitting the face. <laughs> like I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the edge of the the club on the inside of the heel. It's gonna go through my legs. I could definitely kill someone in here easily. <laughs> <laughs> you posted the photos though on 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 Instagram, so go check out oh, the yeah. fully equipped Instagram page. Um, I mean, the po- the photos are posted. Tursky did a great story, just kind of writing up the experience for golf.com this week. Go check that out as well. But you, you need to see the photos, especially the one as he said with the shark bite. Um, that was the wildest one. I, I still was like waiting for you to get to the driver. It's four degrees aloft. With that, there's no like, face. Giant, you can't see any giant. face. All you see is the the crown. It's the most intimidating still, looking you driver still hit ever. It, like reasonably well, man. Like that was the most impressive thing. Is like the average golfer can't control that club, and you were still hitting it like decently well. Even Ben was pretty impressed. In my brain, I was just trying to adjust to the fact, like I know I'm not going to get this ball airborne, so I'm going to lean back on it as hard as I possibly can and just try to hit it sky high. And still, it came out low, squirting right. Like these weren't these weren't great drives I was hitting. <laughs> Four degrees is just unrealistic for a driver. Like I was still, I'm a, I was I'm a still ten and a half me. degree guy. You know, I know you are. That's most that's most golfers should be as well. Like you should be playing something higher loft to, to you know increase that carry as as we've seen during testing. I mean, you know, being able to to hit up on the golf ball and then also have that you know nine nine and a half ten degrees loft maybe even ten and a half it it's going to be a winning that combo most of us should be playing around sure. a 12 yeah right talk well, to him yeah, yeah i'll say yeah but the you, other you can say that you're 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 the you're the fitting expert here chris so yeah you right. can tell him to play 12 the uh the other biggest most notable difference was the lie angle I mean, I had to stand basically straight up and down on some of these, especially his older clubs when he was playing those uh, like 72-degree lie angles. Those were a little bit tough to hit because you almost don't have that much surface area of the face because I don't stand like Bryson. I don't swing it like Bryson. I swing like, you know, I have normal 
two planes. I'm not swinging like one plane super upright like him. So that was a little bit of a mental adjustment. But I do have a quick question, Chris. So if I want to put Jumbo Max grips on all my irons. He's already thinking about it. I'm literally thinking about it because I know you, are. you know we got we got to get are. rid of these lefts. We got to get rid of them. <laughs> I've been driving it pretty well, but the irons are definitely tending to go left, so we got to fix that. If I only go, you I knew a guy that fit golf clubs. If <laughs> only you knew somebody. I know. Yeah, but you're he's always trying traveling. to do it himself. You're, he's never around, man. You're always hotel room here, hotel room. <laughs> that there. is true. That is true. You you're never around. You're you're an absentee club fitter. Yeah, so we got to do a virtual fitting right now. But seriously, <laughs> if I want to throw Jumbo Max grips, how does that affect, like, swing weight? Like, are my clubs going to feel hugely different? And what should I expect from putting, like, big grips on my irons? And that's it. That's the only variable, variable I change. That's, that's a question that we get all the time. So swing weight's one category. And if we're talking about making changes with grip size, grip size is something that nobody really thinks about how much of an impact that does have on the feel or the swing weight of a golf club. So if you get a set of clubs, for example, straight off the rack that have, you know, tour velvet 60 rounds on it, and then all of a sudden you decide, hey, I'm going to go to a CP2 Pro Jumbo and nothing else changes, no extra weights added to the head, you don't move anything with length, so on and so forth, no other variables change, I mean, you completely change the feel of that club when you swing it because you've put so much weight now in the handle. So, I mean, if you mathematically break it down, every two grams of weight that you add or subtract in the club head is one swing weight, every nine grams in the shaft, every five grams in the grip, and every half inch that you add or subtract is roughly three swing weights. And swing weight just equates to how much you as a player feel that club through the swing. So if you go with nothing else done to your clubs and cut your current grips off and throw something that's much heavier there, you completely change how that golf club feels in your hand during the swing. I know we've talked about it a million times, but can you just give like a brief explanation of what swing weight is and how it's measured for the people who might not know what we're talking about. Sure. I mean, swing weight essentially <laughs> is like we just talked about how you as a player interpret the feel of your golf club. So some players will come into the fitting environment and they say, Oh yeah, I play a D2 swing weight. Well, during the, during the club fitting, I'm changing so many different variables, different heads, different shafts, different balance points, different, I mean, just so many different things with shafts and heads and lengths. And I would be willing to bet dollars to pesos that they wouldn't be able to pick up a golf club and go, oh, yeah, that's a C9. Oh, nope, there's my D2. Oh, wait, no, that's D3. That's D4. I mean, it really just comes down to figure out what feels the best, and that's your swing weight. So do some testing, add weight, subtract weight do it on a launch monitor or if you don't have access to a launch monitor do it on the driving range while you're you know playing with different weighting components whether that be larger grips or lead tape on the club head or different shafts in the exact same iron exact same grip and figure out what it is that feels the best to you and then measure it and now you know okay i play a d3 better than i do a c9 i play a d6 better than i do a d2 I mean, feel is so subjective to the player, and the three of us could pick up the exact same golf club and hit it and have totally different interpretations of feel. 
for sure. I guarantee if we pick up Tony Finau's irons, who's who's in the E, we might be able to tell a difference there, though. Oh, that right there. I mean, so Tony playing in the E category when it comes to swing weight, if you talk to a club builder or a fitter or somebody that you know, has, a, has a knowledge or general understanding of how to assemble a golf club, building an iron or a driver in the E category is like unheard of. People just don't do it. But I'm not going to pretend to tell Tony, hey, this is what you feel. Only he knows that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the speaking same with everybody. Of, speaking of Tony Fina, J-Wall, who's our guest this week? Oh, wow. What you you see ask. that transition? It's, what a smooth it transition. To, it is Tony Finau. I, uh, I, that's actually a, a really good transition right there, Tursky. We did. We had, we had PGA Tour winner and Ping staffer Tony Finau on the podcast this week. Tony was great. He talked about his E9 swing weight, some of the changes that he's made to his driver recently, uh, a little bit about this kind of distance arms race on the PGA Tour, and Tursky's favorite topic we got into his crazy shoe collection. It's a great interview. Tony's an awesome guy. You're going to enjoy it. Let's get to Tony. Before we get to our interview with Tony Finau, we want to remind you this episode is brought to you by GlobalGolf.com, your online destination for the best selection of new and pre-owned clubs, tech, apparel, bags, shoes, and more. Their industry-leading try, trade, and buy program will help you play your best for less. Test equipment, rangefinders, and GPS for up to two weeks with Global Golf's U-Try program. Take advantage of their proprietary trade-in and get top dollar for your equipment. Higher trade-in values means more cash to upgrade. Plus, save 10% on qualifying products with promo code GOLF10. That's G-O-L-F-T-E-N. Try, trade, and buy only at GlobalGolf.com. Promo code GOLF10. G-O-L-F-T-E-N. GOLF10. All right. Well, we are pleased to be welcomed by PGA Tour winner and Ping staffer Tony Finau. Tony, thanks for hopping on Fully Equipped. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. All right. So I know it wasn't the result you were looking for at Tory, but but you're heading to an event on the tour schedule that I feel like continues to be on the rise, the Travelers Championship. What What is it about the Travelers that keeps you coming back year after year? Yeah, I think it's a couple things. I love this golf tournament. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. I would say the golf course um, is an amazing venue. When you come down that back nine, I think on a Sunday, uh, it's just so much excitement. You know, there's numbers to be made, both low and high. So I think it brings a lot of uh, adventure pack type golf down the stretch. Um, but the people, the fans, you know, I think there's a lot of people that uh, come out and support. It's It's got a great small town feel to it which I think is a cool thing. We play in a lot of big cities, which is great. But I enjoy, I think, kind of the small town feel and uh, a lot of people coming out and supporting. So I think those are a couple of reasons. And then, um, you know, Andy, uh, the guy that uh, that runs the, the event, I think he does a great job of, of hosting players. Um, the food is always good. So it's an all-around great event. And, you know, it's, it's the reason why I keep coming back. So – we had a chance to go out to, to Ping HQ. I actually was out there with you when, when you first signed with Ping. Um, but, but we had a chance to go out and see Wilco, knee neighbor. I mean, the guy absolutely roasts the golf ball. We, we watched him clear the net from, from what I guess they kind of have deemed the Bubba Bay. And I'm wondering, when you go out, when you go out there, how often are you clearing that net on the backside? Because it, it takes a serious poke to get back there. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know if I've ever hit it over the net. I've hit it into the net, but that's it's quite something. I've never seen him actually hit in person, but I know he's got a huge frame. I think he's maybe six foot five, and um, you know, so he's got these long levers. So he's got a lot of a um, lot of levers when he hits a golf ball. But I, I just talked to Jason Gore uh, a couple days ago at the USGA, and he he was actually uh, a marker for them in the final round, uh, playing alongside uh, Wilco. So. He was able to tell me some of the shots he was hitting. I mean, he was chipping on the first hole at, at Torrey South. It was about 60 yards to the hole on a back wow. pin. So, I mean, it just kind of gives you an idea, uh, really, the the type of length that we're dealing with here with this kid. So, obviously, he's an amazing golfer as well. Um, uh, but a lot of the attention in his game right now is on his sheer length, and it's pretty, pretty cool to see. You're one of the uh, higher-speed guys out there. Um but you do have kind of a short swing. How much would you say you still have in the tank, like distance-wise? What are some of the peak numbers where you top out at when you really let it rip? Yeah, with my with my standard link driver, 208, 208 is my highest ball speed. Um, oh, wow. so I can, That's yeah, I can moving. Get it well, yeah, I can get it well into the 200s. I'd have to probably get something uh, a shaft a little longer if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go any higher than that. But <laughs> I have no problem still hitting it in the 200s. But I. So I, if I live right around 180, which is what I say I, I do uh, on an average drive on the PJ Tour, um, you know, I can get well into 20, 25 miles an hour more than that. But I never really use that on the golf course. If I knew it was where it was going, I probably would. <laughs> but uh, when I when I when I take a full length backswing or even a little past parallel, I'm able to kind of peak those numbers into the 200s. But um, again, it just <laughs> I don't have the accuracy with that type of swing that I that kind of um, would require to play high level golf. So I don't use it. I feel like on the PGA tour, most of the guys are moving to like a mindset where it's like, I just want to rip it as far as I can. But Yeah. You know, I, I toyed around with, uh, potentially going a little bit more, but I, man, I've just, I'm a strong believer that, uh, you know, for me personally, uh, I'm going to save the most amount of shots around the greens. You know, there's so much emphasis put on, on driving. And I do think um, there's a huge part of our game that's moving that direction. You know, it's been amazing to see what Bryson's been able to do. Um, but a lot of these guys are just amping up now. You know, I've, I've been toning back really since I was about 20 years old, you know, learning, trying to learn how to hit it straight. So I, I'm kind of in a whole different mindset, I think, than most guys, just in that uh, I, I do still think for me personally, the most shots I'm going to gain on the field is going to be around the greens and on the greens. So that's kind of where I put my emphasis, but uh, it is cool to see so many guys uh, have that desire and, and see and take that challenge on seeing how far they can kind of max out with their ball speed and, um, you know, combine with accuracy. So Bryson has been able to show a lot of guys what's really possible. You know, I think he kind of bro broke the threshold for how far a golf ball can be hit, uh, you know, far and straight, you know, when he came out last year out of quarantine, and played in Detroit last year, I think he kind of changed uh, my whole theory of, you know, when you get past 190, you can't really hit it straight anymore because he was hitting a bunch of 193 to 195 ball speeds uh, drives in the middle of the fairway. So um, he did kind of, I think, break some theories there, but uh, it, it is cool still to see a bunch of guys trying to hit it far. Does your philosophy have anything to do with, because you use a Diamana RF shaft, the, the red version, which is kind of like the higher launch, um, higher bend shaft, you know, but you're a high speed guy. So most of the, 
most like amateurs would think that you know you you want to use the lowest spin shaft possible but what kind of went into you getting into a shaft like that instead of you know one of the strong shafts yeah you know i you know i i just i just have ping you know the guys at ping set me up with a bunch of different shafts and whatever one i feel like is is the i hit the best is kind of the one i choose so you know i i'm not 100 percent sure on exactly you know what type of shafts uh, will be best for for me or whatever you know I get some advice from the guys at Ping and uh, and my coach and kind of tell me but for me it's more about feel if I feel like you know a certain shaft is going to perform better than others uh, I'll just use it so uh, you know I honestly don't know that much about uh, about my shafts but uh, you know I think it's uh, I think it's worked out definitely worked out <laughs> I'm, I'm curious Tony how much do you how much do you use uh, launch monitors when you're when you're testing you know it seems like it used to be guys are using them on the range now we're seeing a lot of guys even taking them to the golf course how much do you kind of weight in the launch monitor numbers when you're when you're testing out gear versus kind of what you're what you're seeing and feeling yeah I, I pretty much uh use it all the time now you know i've got my foresight gc quad which is what most guys it seems like are using because it's so much more right, portable right. portable than a lot of the other stuff uh, that's out there Yes. So I've, I've been using that for a couple of years now and, and I really like it. So, but I'll take it, you know, just to use, uh, you know, launch angle, uh, you know, how it's coming off the, off the face spin numbers is huge when you're hitting the, when you're hitting the driver and testing out a shaft and then carry numbers. So I think all those three things are very, uh, very important when you're, when you're testing equipment. And so I use it a lot and then I take it out on the golf course, you know, I'll hit it on the range, see what the numbers are. And then I'll take it out on the golf course and see what's changed. Am I swinging faster on the course? Am I swinging slower? If a hole is moving left to right, you know, do I, you know, what's my tendency there? So I think there's a lot of great information that comes from using that, uh, using, using technology that we have these days to our advantage, but I definitely use it way more often than I ever have. So I saw some tweets that you sent out um, over the last couple of days, congratulating John Rahm on his win um, also congratulating Louie on, on his week at Torrey. And it got me wondering, how, how much golf do you watch in a given week? Because I, I've, I've got three kids, you've got four. I, I know it's tough to, to carve out time to watch golf, but, but it just got me thinking about that. How much time are you getting to spend to, yeah, to watch your Yeah, that's a great peers? question. You know, I, I actually don't watch a lot of golf at all. I'm used to, I'm used to playing, you know, obviously it's, uh, <laughs> a, a weekend, you know, that I – uh, unfortunately wasn't playing, but I, so I did have the opportunity to watch, you know, which was really cool for me. I think I would have watched the ending, whether I was a part of it or not. Um, I would have watched the ending because I love, uh, seeing guys come down the stretch. You know, I know what it's like being in those positions and to see how guys, uh, how things kind of unfold in a, in a big golf tournament. So, um, I did, I was able to watch that, but you know, regularly speaking, I don't really watch a lot of golf at all. You know, I'm a huge basketball fan. So I watch a lot of NBA. Um, I grew up, I grew up, I watched, the only tournament I watched growing up really was the Masters and the Ryder Cup. I think those are the two tournaments that attracted my attention when I was young. Um, and it's still kind of that way now. You know, I watched a lot of highlights from Masters. I love watching the Ryder Cup. But again, you know, hopefully those are events that I'm a part of down the stretch and uh, not have to watch too much. Who's your basketball team? Jazz. You know, big, big jazz. Oh. Big jazz. Yeah, big jazz. Kind of so, yeah, so I, unfortunately, uh, you know, they got their their playoff run got cut short by the Clippers. But, uh, you know, I'm still going to watch. You know, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for the Suns now. Uh, I like I like kind of the small towns, you know, being from Utah, you know, being in a small town market. I know what it's you know, what it would do to like a, 
a place like Phoenix um, to win a championship. So I'm pulling for the Suns. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, you know, Ping's come out with some with some new gear, and, and none of it's available yet at Tour. That I'm talking about the I-59 irons in the uh, Glideforge Pro wedges. Have Have you been interested to test any of the new product yet? Is that something that you ever really do during the course of a season, or do you kind of leave that till the off season? Yeah, no, for sure. I've tried the new irons, and I think they're awesome. You know, I was just there about a month ago, testing out with Ko and, and Christian Pena and all the guys at Ping. Uh, and I thought it was, the stuff was fantastic. Um, you know, but, you know, for me, I, I love the blueprint irons that I'm playing. I've been playing them since 2018. So I'm going on almost three years now using the blueprint irons. So, um, wow. yeah, I love, I love the irons. So I'm not going to switch irons, but, um, you know, when they come out with another wood, I'll be interested to try it. You know, I, every single wood that they've come out with, I, I put in the bag. So, you know, right now that's the, the G425. You know, when the G410 was the hot thing, I hit that. When the G400 Max was. So I, I've kind of grown with their woods. And, and I look forward to, you know, whenever they're coming out with another one. But I love the setup I have in my bag, uh, you know, through the bag right now. And, and Ping has done a great job of uh, allowing me to test and, and get me in the best equipment. And I think the best equipment for me right now is, um, is what I have in the bag. I was talking to Kenton before this podcast just to see if you were working on anything crazy recently. Uh, he did say you made a big swing weight change in December. I don't know if you know if you made a swing weight change or not, but kind of what, what went into that uh, switch up? Yeah, so I, I felt like I was losing the losing control of the head a little bit on my backswing, not feeling enough uh, of the head. So I, I, I asked Ken to add some weight. So I, I probably have the heaviest clubs on tour. You know, most of the guys' swing weight is in the – you know, D uh, category, if you know anything about swing sequences or swing weighting, most guys are in the D. I'm actually in the E and in the middle of the E, I'm like E4, E5 on swing weight with my irons. Um, but I've always had really heavy irons. I have a pretty heavy putter. I just always have wanted to feel the weight of the head more than anything else on the club. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, so I, I, we did make that change and I think it's been beneficial. That's always something that I, uh, I find interesting working with uh, the various tour players and various competitive players, how sensitive they are to feel and really kind of dialing in that weight. And yeah. you were talking about uh, you've been playing blueprint since 2018 and working with bads. He's in eye blade and has no interest in changing whatsoever. So yeah. It's funny to me that uh, yeah, these guys get, get dialed in on a, uh, on a particular product and they just stick with it. I love it. Yeah, it's pink stuff's amazing. It, it just kind of mentioning KO and some of the guys you work with. How how important are those relationships that you have with the guys at Ping, um, KO, Christian Pena? Just it, how much do you kind of lean on them for their insights when it comes to kind of helping optimize your bag setup? Yeah, it's extremely important to have these relationships, and especially with the, all the guys at Ping. You know, I have a great relationship with all of them, but I mean they're probably almost annoyed with a lot of guys, you know, guys like me on tour because I'm, I'm messing with them all the time. You know, every week I'm, Hey, can you give me a backup driver? You know, what do you think about this? Right now I'm using, you know, 56 glide. Do you think I should go to a 55 degree? You know, this is the kind of the issues I had last week. So I message them quite often and it's great to have a personal and, and business relationship with them because we get to know them on a personal level. Um, and you know, and that's, that's really, you know, the industry that we're all in, you know, we're in the people industry, you know, we're dealing with people all the time. 
and there's world-class people at ping and so i enjoy working with all of them they're more than happy to help and um it's been a great relationship for me and i'm um, getting to know them but you know they're more than willing to help and and they're all about helping you try to be better get better and and play your best you know that's their slogan and i i know that they're truly about that so it's, it's really cool to be a part of that i'm a uh, i'm a big shoe guy i've always admired your your shoe game I know you got to deal with Nike. I'm just uh, curious what you think about the state of, of shoes right now on tour and kind of how popular Jordans, custom Jordans have been getting uh, among amateurs and just what your kind of thoughts are. Yeah, I love I love, I love, love some good shoes. Um, I mean, right now I've been wearing the Janoskis for uh, a couple years now, so I love yep. those. You know, before that, um, you know, I was in the uh, – I was in the era – Air Maxes and you know one G's and, and things. So I love I love me a good shoe. As far as the state of the game with shoes, I love all the new those new stuff great. coming out. You know those new Jordans that Bubba was sporting last week. The U.S. Open Jordans I thought were unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Looking. Just the color wave and and all that. So obviously I love I love Jays. I have you know quite a few pairs of my own. Um, but it seems like guys are moving in that direction, kind of more um, uh, more modern. You know type look. A lot of the classier looks, uh, I think, are cool, you know, but I think more of the modern looks are kind of um, are what's changing the landscape, landscape of, of our game. And it's and that's, I think, a cool part of our game. Yeah. It's, that's kind of changing. It's kind of the, the culture on how it should look compared to how it used to look. What's your shoe collection look like? How many how many J's you got in the tuck? Well, I just I just got I just got the uh, Air Jordan uh, or the Jordan 11s uh golf shoes and then um just the fives so I, I was excited about that i went up to jordan's place uh just a couple months ago and 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 was able to buy a couple of those but uh you know as far as the regular shoe i i i've got a really almost every pair from the threes to the 11s so it's pretty it's pretty extensive i got i've got you know the, the new lebrons um Kyrie's, kobe's so again i'm a big basketball guy too so I've got a lot of uh, collection of those. And obviously all the Kobe's won't be going anywhere anytime soon. So um, I'm happy I got, yeah, you yeah. know, most, most of those pairs. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I know as, as a shoe guy, I'm, I'm definitely jealous. Tony, thank you so much for the time. If, if, and if fans want to watch, don't forget the travelers championship is going to be on golf channel uh, June 24th through the 27th and on CBS, the 26th through the 27th, you're going to be able to see Tony DJ, Bryson, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka. It's a loaded field. And great and uh, good luck this week, Tony. Appreciate the time. Yep. Thank you guys. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. And that'll do it for episode 96 of Fully Equipped. Thanks again to Tony Fina for the time. If you're looking for more gear news, you can always find us on social media. We're at fully equipped golf on Instagram and at fully underscore equipped on Twitter. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>